Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It's Thursday, March 9th, and welcome to another edition of The Ben Jarofsky Show. On today's show, 33rd Ward Alderwoman Rosanna Rodriguez joins Ben. The Ben Jarofsky Show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, the Chicago Teachers Union, and Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com for everything there is to know in the city of Chicago, where to go, what to do, what to eat, what to drink, and so much more. Columns from Ben Jarofsky. And hey, uh, head on over to ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky to get even more stuff from Benjamin. That's J-O-R-A-V is in victory. SKY. Hello again, everybody. Ben Drosky here. We're calling this showdown in Chicago Thursday. And here's why. Actually, we should it should be showdown in Chi Town Thursday. And here's why. Because last night was the showdown, the big mayoral debate. Paul Vallis one-on-one with Brandon Johnson. I, I'm a boxing fan. I, I'm not sure if my distinguished guest is a boxing fan, but I like, like, like I know a lot of people watch these debates and they want to be like a boxing match. And it's like, it would be uh Howard Cosell would be now Frazier with the left or right. Ali left Frazier's down. It doesn't really work that way. In debate. <laughs> it's like, no one's going to knock someone down, but I got a lot of lefties were be texting me last night. I wanted Brandon to knock him down. Okay, it's not a boxing match. It's not Ali Frazier. Anyway, it was the big debate last night. I want to give a shout-out to uh, Marianne Ahern, who was the moderated debate, folks. If you haven't moderated a debate, you don't know how hard it is. Okay, first of all, Paul Vallis. I've known Paul Vallis since the 90s. Maybe in the late 80s. I met him. I don't know. Who can remember anymore? It's all a blur. But point is that dude can talk so that dude is just, he's just gonna start talking how about how about, how about the tax rate was 42 percent, but i drove it down 15 percent, and that brings it to 10 to 90 percent everybody's like huh, huh, huh. <laughs> i'll talk so much i'll say so much i'll just throw in a bunch of numbers half of chicago will go okay i'll vote for him <laughs> which is pretty much how it works ladies and gentlemen so i thought she did a pretty good job but there was one particular moment Rosanna Rodriguez is my distinguished guest. So I want her to listen to what I think this one particular moment is. And she can weigh in later. There's one particular moment where uh, she uh, gave uh, Brandon Johnson the CTU question. And this is a big question in the city of Chicago right now. It's a big question uh, that voters are mulling over. The citizenry of Chicago is really concentrating on this. The apparent conflict of interest between a candidate who worked for the Chicago Teachers Union is funded by the Chicago Teachers Union running for mayor of the city of Chicago. And one day he, in this case, he, Brandon, will have to negotiate a contract with the Chicago Teachers Union. And uh, so that this that's an obvious conflict right there. And so Marianne Ahern had asked that question. 
She had to ask that question. A lot of my lefty friends are like, why did she ask that question? She's got to ask that question, okay? And Brandon, I thought, handled it well. He's sort of like what Stacey Davis Gates said when she came on the show, which you don't know because I haven't dropped that show yet. It dropped Saturday, so I'm like teasing. But SDG said, hey, I asked her some questions, political questions. She goes, you want to have political questions? You got to go ask the campaign. I'm not running that campaign, which I didn't, by the way, believe, but whatever. <laughs> That's what everybody knows STG is pretty smart when it comes to politics. So uh, why they wouldn't avail themselves of her, I don't know. But anyway, neither here nor there. The point is there has to be a split. And at some point, Brandon has to leave the nest, so to speak. He has to. Uh, and uh, so then Marianne Ahern pivoted to Vallis. He was like, yeah, good question, Marianne. <laughs> and so she asked him the fraternal order of police question, which is, well, okay, you're smirking about him in the CTU. What about you in the fraternal order of police? To which Vallis said, well, let me just tell you the difference between me and him. He was so happy he had this one ready to go. He had it all ready. His little pre preparers had put it in his brain, that Paul Vallis brain. They opened things up. They moved the numbers over here, and they put this answer in there. And he said, I've not got a nickel from the Fraternal Order Police, whereas Brandon's funded by the CTU. And then he sat back like, yeah, whoa. Like if it was a, if it was the old days, he would have lit up a joint, taken a hit. Yeah, man, I got you. <laughs> he was so happy. And then this is when Marianne Ahern really stepped it up. She goes, all right, because everybody knows, let me just say this, the fraternal order police doesn't kick out money. They don't have to kick out money. They got a brand name. They give you that endorsement. Guys, the 19th Ward, 41st Ward, 45th Ward, they're like, yes, sir, that's my guy. They just know it. It's like the National Rifle Association. They don't have to kick in money. The people always like the NRA controls Congress because they donate all the stuff for money. No, they don't. They have brand name. There's like millions and millions of voters who are just going to vote for whichever candidate gets the fraternal order police endorsement. That's all they need. The money comes from the big fellers, the Kenny G's of the world, the corporate <laughs> community. The only union in the world the corporate community likes is the fraternal order police. That's the weirdest freaking thing. They're hardball negotiations. They get a pension. For some reason, when it comes to paying their pension, well, Kenny G and the rest of the rich guys in the world, they kind of put up with it. Although for terror or police, I'm just telling you, you're going to get socked around and there's pension reforms too. I keep warning you, you don't listen to me. It's the Democrats that are holding that back in Springfield. All your little Republicans, they would take that pension money from you in a heartbeat anyway. So Kenny G, Ken Griffin, that's the richest man in the state of Illinois until he moved to Florida. I don't know if he's the richest man in Florida. Bankrolls the Republican Party here. And he kicks in. These are the guys who kick in. If Brandon Johnson was a corporatist, centrist, <clears throat> Democrat, or right-wing Republican, a MAGA man, they'd be kicking into him. But he's not. If you're a lefty in the city of Chicago, you pretty much have the unions or you have nothing. And if it wasn't for the unions kicking in money for lefty politicians, the only politicians we would have vying for the big time job of mayor would be stooges for mm -hmm. corporate Chicago. Duh. <laughs> so I got to give Mary Ann Ahern credit. She said, 
All right, Paul, you got your little answer about the fraternal order of police out of the way. We all know that was bogus. What about the big feller, Kenny G? What about corporate Chicago? What about that money? To which Paul Vallis responded, habita, habita, habita. Jackie Gleason back in the honeymooners. He had no answer because there is no answer. Chicago, <laughs> you think you think it's a you don't think there's a conflict when big boys give money? To Paul Vallis, you don't think they're looking to raise your taxes with tips so they can fund all their little downtown deals? You you don't think that's part of the bargain? Come on, Chicago, you got to be smarter than that. I always tell people from outside of Chicago, you know, it's easy to underestimate the intelligence of Chicago if you look at the people they elect as their mayor. I understand that. It's easy to underestimate the intelligence of Chicago. But. You're smarter than that, Chicago. I know it. You just like these bums because, I don't know, you get scared. So I thought that was a good moment in last night's debate. I really do. I thought that was a moment of revelation and clarity. I feel few of those that come in debates. We're like, yeah. And now the, the, the Chicago Teachers Union is kicking in more. Man, they are really rolling the dice. They're raising uh, the amount that their uh, members have to kick in. Uh, on a monthly basis to to get more money to Brandon Johnson. Look, big time move, big time players. They're going for it. They're all in. If it doesn't work, well, at least they tried. But that no other money's coming in. I got news for you guys. You want treatment, not trauma? You want more nurses in the school? You want less of your property tax dollars going to big time Lincoln Yard TIF developers? You want an elected school board? You want more fairness in the way we police, more community policing? You want all your streets paved without like begging, falling to your knees? Please, please beg, pay my streets. You're going to have to elect a different kind of mayor. And that costs money. So I don't know how in the world you can elect a lefty without unions. And I just wish. I thought Brandon wasn't apologetic about it, but that's the reality. So I I don't know why any lefty would be apologetic about it. So anyway, that was my thoughts on the debates. Without further ado, I'll turn my attention to the distinguished alderwoman of the 33rd Ward, Rosetta Rodriguez, who's here for a couple of purposes, talk politics, talk debate, talk to future city council, but also do a little gloating. Uh, <laughs> yet another lefty who proved me wrong. Uh, I had Jesse Fuentes on the show the other day, Rosanna, and I, I didn't think she was going to get through without a run runoff. She did in the 26th Ward. I thought she, you might squeak by without a runoff in the 33rd Ward against that old Mel machine, but you kind of did more than a squeak by. I think you won, last I looked, 55% of the vote. Yeah, we're about 55 now. Okay, so um, you could do the Super Bowl shuffle because uh, you're victorious. Congratulations on winning yeah. your second term. Thank you so much, and thank you for having me. I love being here with you. All right, you heard uh, my riff and rant about uh, the debate and how we fund and uh, Teachers Union and uh, Ken Griffin and all that good stuff. Let's get your responses, but uh, let's just start with the general. You watched the debate. Uh, what's your general thoughts about how it went down? Go ahead. I love that Brandon was not intimidated by anything in there. He was he was punching and he was saying what he needed to say. I think that it is really important that uh, that Brandon continues to um, get the message out about what 
Vala's track record is. Um, it was really interesting to me at the beginning of the debate when the clip is played where he says, I am a Republican and I'm going to register as a Republican. And I thought that it was interesting because he gets away with saying, I am a lifelong Democrat. Like you just said in this, in this clip, I am a Republican. I am going to register as a Republican. And when you're asked about it, your response is, I have been a lifelong Democrat. I have always been a Democrat. And so the, the follow-up question is, so why did you say you were going to register? What, what was happening? Like, tell us, please tell us what made you a Republican at that moment. Because we want to know, right? What are the policies? What is it that is making it but that that question didn't come after like he just got away with saying I am a lifelong Democrat and that's that. Um, so it was really good that Brandon kept bringing that back over and over and over. This is your your track record, sir. You cannot run from this track record. This these are the facts. Right. So I think that Brandon did a very, a very good job at that. Yeah, I know that I've been making fun of him for a long time, Paul Vallis on that one. I'm I'm a lifelong Republican, except for that part of my life when I was a Repo <laughs> a Democrat. Wait, huh? What? <laughs> I got that wrong. Uh, yeah. No, uh, the joke is he reminds me of the kid I had for years he, on my team. And I go, so what you get? Well, how'd you report? What you get your report card? Houston? oh, I got straight A's. Uh, except for the C in reading, the D in math, <laughs> the C in science. Other than that, straight A's. You got an A in gym, I think. <laughs> uh that's paul vallis uh, i'm a lifelong democrat except for the time when i was a republican okay. the other the other part so so he talked a lot about his contract negotiations around the the fop mm -hmm. uh, contract and um that that contract i think i think it's interesting that he keeps saying that he negotiated a contract that had uh so much uh, accountability because that's not true and there was nine of us that voted against that contract because there was not enough accountability and discipline provisions for cpd um and and the aclu briefed us and put out a document of how they were worried that this contract was going to be approved without the correct provisions um, for for accountability. So he keeps touting a record of, oh, we did so much on accountability that it is not true. And it is why we voted against that contract. Um, of course, most of our colleagues voted for the for the contract because people don't question these things mostly in city council, right? Um, people are not going to go against the FOP. We we came in here to do something else. And if you're not going to give me accountability and make sure that you're complying with the consent decree and that every contract gets us closer to that, I'm not going to vote for your contract. That's that. And um, but but he has been touting that contract as like this, you know, like super important um, accountability uh, instrument. And it was not. I know that. Okay, I just have to riff on this just briefly, and we'll get back to uh, that explanation. Is just so it's kind of like insulting. Again, it's more insult to the intelligence of Chicago voters. The Fraternal Order Police brought on Paul Vallis to be their consultant in negotiations with the city of Chicago on their contract. Now they have every right to do that. Their negotiations. I I have no problem with that. But Paul Vallis, now running uh, for mayor in a city that's 85% Democrat and worried about being re uh, exposed as a Republican, turns that into almost like he was a mediator, 
brought in to oversee the contract. Oh, I was just there for accountability. No, you were not there for accountability. You were brought in by the Fraternal Order Police to prevent accountability. <laughs> it's just like, it's no one in Chicago is dumb enough to believe that. I don't, I'm sorry. I'm going to stand up for Chicago. You know what I'm saying, Rosanna? Like, you, you got to know that that's BS when you hear that. But it's, that's the thing he gets away with. He gets away with saying these things as if they are truth. And I'm here yelling on my couch. <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? No. I was there. <laughs> let's, let's, let's imagine, just to concentrate Chicago on this. Let's say uh, Rosanna and I were married, okay? Which is really wild, far-fetched. And we're getting a divorce. And I bring in a lawyer, okay, to represent me. And she brings in a lawyer to represent her. OK, and my lawyer later on says, well, I was here to make sure that Rosanna got a good deal in that divorce settlement. I'm like, what? You're, like, you're the worst lawyer I ever had. I'm going to. Bill Ben, it's only fair that you treat Rosanna. You see what I'm saying? And that's like. Yeah, I know. That's the part. So there was was there was a part of you that was yelling at the screen. That sounds like there was a part of you that every now and then was yelling at the screen. Last yeah, night. You know, in Puerto Rico, we call that when you let the goats watch over the lettuces. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> she is not saying that Paul Vallis is a goat, okay? <laughs> anyway. But that's what we say. Cuando deja que las cabras peleen a la lechuga. That's, that's what we say in Puerto Rico. I just want you to know that. Wow. <laughs> I'm going to use that line. That's watching the goats watching over the lettuce. Uh, <laughs> All right. Uh, so let's talk about your win for a moment, okay, before we get to the city yes. council. I'll yes. Just, uh, it was, well, why don't you describe it? Uh, 55% of the vote, you were up against the Fraternal Order Police, uh, Jesus Chuy Garcia, Iris Martinez, Dick Mel. Uh, let's throw Blago in there for what the hell. You know, go ahead. Cardenas was a big one as well. Yeah, George Cardenas. I mean, they threw everything at you. Everything. I'm surprised they didn't drag ramen from uh, Japan. But <laughs> <laughs> he would. He absolutely would. <laughs> so talk about what, how you prevailed. Go ahead. It was. I mean, it was a. It was a very interesting race. Dick Mel was knocking on doors, which he didn't do for Dick Mel at all. But I would go to some doors and I was like, "Oh, Dick Mel came here with Sammy Martinez." I'm like, "What? Wow! <laughs> How is this real?" You know, I I had Iris Martinez definitely um, helping Sammy. Um, there was a lot of people from the clerk of the court office um, coming to the ward who don't live in the ward, most of them, the vast majority of them. There was like 23 people from her office that passed petitions for Sammy and that then continued to come to the ward to campaign for him. Um George Cardenas gave him money. Brian Hopkins gave him money. <laughs> That's how you know you're doing something right. <laughs> um, so, it, so you know, it was a, it was a, a, a lot of different forces, uh, many of them very corrupt and morally bankrupt forces um, joining together to try to destroy um, a movement that we have built and that they see as, you know, incarnated by me. Um, I think that there's a lot of pettiness involved as well. Um, 
you know, the pro-police forces, for example, you know, Katanzara and, um, and allies are really upset at me and, and, and some of us for the policies that we have been proposing of having more public health and social service kind of measures in place in order to be able to address a lot of the needs of our communities for some reason that is like very threatening to them. Um, but we prevail and we prevail because we have built a movement. This is not just me, like that you can't come after me, but it, I'm not alone. Um, we have built an incredible movement in the Northwest side. And to me, to have Ron basically as a socialist defund candidate again <laughs> in Dick Mel's old ward, and winning with 55% of the vote tells you that we have organized, you know, that we have done the work, that people know who we are, and regardless of how many defund mailers you send and say that I am the devil and that I'm funded by gangs and that the Latin Kings are my main donors. And <laughs> I, it doesn't matter how much you repeat those things. People know us because of the work that we have been doing in schools. People know us because of the public health work that I have been doing with treatment of trauma. People know us because the bodily autonomy sanctuary ordinance. People know us for a lot of different things that we have been doing um, and, and, that, and that benefits the community. Um, we are the real progressives. We are the people that are trying to move this, this, this city in the progressive direction and people see that. Um, so they couldn't. I mean, Sammy was, he took a leave of absence and he was knocking on doors full time for like five months. And he was being funded by all of these people and real, like there, there was so many real estate companies. Um, Iris Martinez, ex-husband, Alex Pesios from Cena Space. It was like all of the slime in the world came together to give him resources and they still lost. And, um, and, and we're only going to continue to get stronger. And I'm so happy that the rest of my lefties also are coming in. The Get Stuff Done pack through everything at Byron Sixual Open. Oh, he's that. <laughs> <laughs> and they still lost. It's beautiful. Like when that happens, it's so beautiful. Chuy Garcia came after me and I was like, what did I do to you? I didn't even, I didn't even like say your name this whole, this whole time. <laughs> and, um, and you know, they found out, everybody found out, everybody found out. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, um, I've said this, but no, Byron's story is truly amazing. They threw absolutely everything at Byron. Uh, and, oh, did they talk him down like he was a dog? Oh, my God. They would say the worst things about him. He still won. He won. And it, 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 it confirms my age-long theory, which applies to you as well. Uh, and I may have said this to you. I say it all the time. If you stand up to the man, to use 70s, terms that this i'm still lodged in the 70s Rosanna. i apologize <laughs> if you stand up to the man i know you could be a woman you're standing up to but i'm it's usually like, the man though <laughs> yeah everybody knows what you mean oh the man yeah the man standing up to the man uh man i this is the 70s show i've already done howard cosell muhammad ali joe frazier now stand up to the man but if you stand up to the man in chicago even if chicago doesn't stand up to the man they will respect you uh they will stand by you in my general opinion watched enough uh, independent-minded older men and older women like the, the voters won't punish you for 
standing uh, true to yourself. I'm not saying being corrupt. They they'll punish. They may they may not even punish you in some wards for being corrupt at Burke 14th Ward. But if you stand up to a powerful mayor or powerful interest because of your principles and your principles more or less align with where people are in the city of Chicago, they will not desert you at the polls. That has been my experience. Uh, just watching since the 90s. Your thoughts? No, I agree. When I think about what we said that we were coming into office to do, and I look at what we accomplished, we did everything that we said we were going to do. I have never lied to people. I have never, like, you know, walked back anything that I have said, um, because I don't have to, because because I don't lie to people. Um, And and I think people see that. I, I really do. We are also doing government in a very different way. And and I can say that that is true for all of my lefty uh, colleagues. We are using the most out of the resources that we have available to us. We are reimagining how to use certain positions. I'm doing something super interesting with my ward superintendent um, where we are looking at the role of the ward superintendent in like a first line of care for community, you know, and it, it the, the kind of investment like you need somebody that has a lot of investment in community but the way that you interact with homeless people for example because homeless people live in the street and streets and sanitation take care of the streets so so why superintendents have to have some sort of protocol for interacting with homeless people and in my case in my colleague carlos ramirez rosa's case we use those roles in a way in which um, they can be our first line of contact. They can meet the people. They can know where people are. They can know what people need. And then that helps us connect them to other agencies, right? Um, it, they, they are integral to the, to the health and safety of our communities, and they haven't been used in that way. So I, we, are, we are rethinking the ways in which we use different positions in the ways in which we use our resources. And and, and it's beautiful. It's beautiful to be able to use government in ways that it can actually support community um, uh, to, 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 the, to, the, to the biggest extent, right? And, and I'm excited to keep thinking about those things. And I think people see that. Uh, you mentioned before uh, that Dick Mel was knocking on doors. Let's just take a moment to discuss this. Yeah. Uh, so for uh, newer listeners, uh, Dick Mel, Richard Mel, Alderman of the 33rd Ward, powerhouse in the city of Chicago. Go watch Punch Nine. You'll see the role he played uh, in the efforts to bring, uh, to to um, exacerbate the divide between black uh, political forces to make sure uh, ultimately that Richard Daly would replace Harold Washington. So very important man in the history of Chicago politics. Uh, he left his seat as alderman of the 33rd Ward, handed it over to his daughter, Deb Mel, classic Chicago move. Uh, Rosanna defeated Deb Mel uh, in 2019 to be the alderwoman of the 33rd Ward. Mel, uh, then uh, seeking re- vengeance for that loss, uh, supported Sammy Martinez in the race against Rosanna. All right, that's the history lesson. The thing you said, that Mel went door to door, but he didn't go door to door for Deb Mel, his own daughter. Uh, I don't want to go Freudian psychologist here and think, what the hell? You know, why didn't he support his daughter this strong? So let's just put that to the side. Why was Dick Mel going door to door against you? I mean, why was it so personal with him that he would go door to door? Go ahead. So I have a few theories, but also, you know, I don't. 
I don't, I don't talk to Dick Mel, so I don't know what's in his mind. I think that Dick Mel is a a political animal, right? Like a, he, this, this is like his DNA. And I think that he wanted to still be relevant. I think that he just wanted to win. He wanted to play the game and he wanted to demonstrate that he can still win. And of course there is like some resentment about the fact that, you know, this brown woman with an accent that is a socialist is on my seat. <laughs> his seat for 38 years and then six more that that Mel spent on the seat. So um, the idea that some scrappy socialists like came and took this seat from, from them and then kept it, then did the work to make sure that we protected it from them. Um, it's, it's pretty wild. I think that the first time, I think that he was not out knocking on doors because they didn't think that we could pull this off. Um, before me, Team Megan ran, but he was a white man. He was a school teacher and he was a white man. And he, and Digna was right in thinking that people would vote for a white male teacher before they would vote for a, a, a brown Latina with an accent. Um, he was absolutely right because I won my race by 13 votes after organizing for four years. So um, he, he was partly right in that. He, they didn't really see us coming as bad. Um, and by the time that he stepped into the race for that mail, it was too late. We, we already had, you know, organized enough to be able to get the 50% the plus one. Mm. Uh, that's pretty good analysis. I think the first part is you're right on there. He's a political animal. He wants to be in the game. And I can understand it, Dick Mel. Uh, it, it is a part of Chicago politics that is fascinating, is like eating M&Ms or fried chicken. It's just once you start, you can't stop. And uh, I got to ask you the question I asked uh, Carlos. Get your response on this. He was on the show. Carlos Maris Rose was on the show last week. Uh, and this is a total city council geek question. So whatever. Uh so when you sit in the city council right now, aren't you sitting next to Carrie Austin? Yes. Okay, she's <laughs> leaving for the 34th Ward. Legendary. She's going to be replaced by Bill Conway. Bill, yes. Bill, that, so just think about the culture shock there. Carrie Austin comes from the far south side ward, uh, mostly black ward. She's part of the machine, the old daily machine, and she inherited the job for her, uh, her husband. Uh, Bill Conway comes from this newly created, up, well-to-do downtown ward. Uh, he comes from a, the, one of the, his father is a gazillionaire who owns part uh, I, I mean, maybe the CEO, but he's some big shot with the Carlisle group. So, wow. I mean, just think about that, like sitting in the Chicago City Council and, and because they reorganized the, 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 the political boundaries, the 34th, 34th Ward, which used to be on the south side, is now this upscale uh, mm -hmm. downtown ward. Come on, Roseanne. Just think about that. Just think like, wow, you went from Carrie, sitting next to Carrie Austin. I bet it was fun sitting next to Carrie Austin. Uh, and now you're going to be sitting next to Bill Conway. I don't want to get you in trouble with your seatmates because you got to sit next to them and share candy or whatever during boring speeches. But just talk a little bit about, you know, just like the personal dynamics of sitting on the yeah, council. Next to actually, I love talking about this because my relationship with Carrie Austin has been hilarious since I came into council. Um, she has called at me so much since I came in. Like, it's I'm like a 12-year-old girl. <laughs> next to her she sometimes doesn't remember my name she's like what was your name <laughs> it's really crazy um 
but but we have we have a good you know I have a good relationship with Carrie Austin. Like I laugh about like the stuff that she says. Sometimes she like shows me like I don't know slippers that she's thinking about buying on her cell phone. She's like, what do you think about these ones? <laughs> <laughs> so I so um so it's going to be an interesting change now with Bill Conway because it's going to be a completely different relationship. And also, whoever sits on that seat sits between me and Carlos. <laughs> That's right. Oh my God, he's squ- he squeezed like, between two like, lefties. Right to each other. <laughs> could could you imagine after his first meeting when he goes to talk to his like friends? I mean, I'm at the club, at the East Bank Club, wherever he hangs out. He goes, "God, I'm sitting next to these commies." On one hand, both Puerto Rican. Oh my God, damn! <laughs> these Puerto Rican radicals. But but we're fun people, so I, he's very lucky that he's going to sit next to us because we have a lot of fun together. Um, I sit next to Waggis Pack too, so I imagine that the I I don't really know Conway yet. I I will um, probably reach out and you know talk to him at some point about his priorities. Um, but I I I don't imagine that there will be like a lot of differences between like you know Waggis Pack and and, and, and Billy and, Conway. Yeah. Uh, speaking of uh, Scotty Wagesbeck, uh, Scott Wagesbeck, alderman of the 32nd Ward. Uh, this was interesting. I saw this in political today. Shout out Shia Campos. Uh, so Scott Wagesbeck was the sort of the leader of the Progressive Caucus uh, for about four years or so. I forget. I've lost track of time uh, during the ROM years. Uh, and then uh, Lori Lightfoot got elected and he had supported her, Lori Lightfoot. Uh, made him a finance chair, big time position. All right. So uh, he kind of left the progressive caucus. Uh, I don't even know if there is. I don't even let's not even discuss the progressive caucus for a while because uh, they kind of were superseded by the lefty. Ca- I call you guys the lefty caucus. Yeah. I You got a different name, but I call you the lefty caucus <laughs> anyway. Um, so that's what you should just call yourself, the lefty caucus. I but um, <laughs> Don't run away from it. Embrace it. So. Uh, and but now he's putting out this notion uh, to um, with Shia Kapos that he and Brendan Riley are already hitting the ground to try to set up a system where they, uh, working with the other aldermen, will uh, name committee chairs, as opposed to having the newly elected mayor uh, come in in May or whenever the mayor is sworn in, uh, and or in the time in between the election and being sworn in. Uh, and choosing those chairs. Do you remember when this happened before? Do you Has, no. When like some aldermen like came together. Oh. To- <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't this early in the game, I could tell you that. But yes, you're talking about 1983. Eddie Rodolak <laughs> and Eddie Burke reorganized Chicago City Council. <laughs> preemptive measure. Yeah. I I haven't gotten a call, Ben, and I, you know, I'm going to be a second term alderman. I think um, I I do think that the the city council should have auto- autonomy um, and that there should be a process through which we um, uh, pick um, chairs. But I think that that is something that we should be like talking about together. And I haven't gotten a call and I don't none of my colleagues that are very close to me have been getting a call about how to do that we do have committees through which we can start 
thinking about those things. Um, and I am a member of those committees. <laughs> I haven't heard anything. Haven't heard a word. No. So um, I am hoping that 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 what that this is coming from a place of actual good government and not based on the fear that a leftist is going to become mayor and that we have to go into a war in city council because you don't want a lefty mayor to be proposing um, uh, chairmanships because yeah. that would be really sad. Well, I on election night, I heard your former colleague, Michelle Smith, uh, on, I forget which station, Channel 9. They didn't have one lefty on. Shame on Channel 9. They All they had were Republicans uh, and wannabe Republicans and centrists. It was pathetic. And the other stations had, like, some people left the center, but not Channel 9. Uh, that was really bad, uh, in my humble opinion. Uh, but she was already saying, she goes, well, we could have a Democratic... Uh, no, she was saying this on behalf of Alice. She goes, we got so many uh, Democratic socialists uh, in the city council that we're going to need uh, Paul Vallis to just to be a balance against them. They were already pushing that line. You get what I'm saying? Now, I guarantee you this, Rosanna. Paul Vallis, he comes from that daily mold. He has already made promises. I guarantee you. I don't know if he could deliver those promises, but when you see Walter Burnett, 27th Ward Alderman, jump in, he's not doing that without, in my humble opinion, and again, I'm not privy to the conversations because neither one of them talked to me, you know, Rosanna, he did not do that in a vacuum. You know he didn't do that without having some kind of assurance from Paul Vallis. I got I got you covered. You're going to get to be, what do you want? You want finance? You want zoning? These are various committees. That's my guess. Your thoughts? I mean, it's not unheard of, right? I, that's, that's how politics, well, to my understanding, that is a lot of how politics work. In, in Chicago is very transactional. Um, you know, a, a somebody that is potentially um, trying to become mayor is going to be having conversations with people that they believe that are loyal to them to put them in positions um, and continue the tradition that there has been in Chicago of rubber stamp city council. Um, you know, a lot of us that came um, in the last cycle, plus Carlos uh, have been demonstrating that we we're not we're not about that, and and we are legislators, and we work in our wars, but we are proposing serious legislation that is evidence based, and and that's what we would do in in chairmanships, and um, and and I think that it is important to put people in those in those positions that are going to be taking legislation seriously and are not just going to do whatever the mayor wants, right? Um, we need to be able to work together and have collaborative relationships. But that that is how transactional politics are done in Chicago all the time. Yeah. Well, I guarantee you it's been happening. Rod Sawyer, uh, I, you watch. My old friend Rod Sawyer, former Alderman of Sixth Ward, if Paul Vallis is victorious, will appear, <laughs> have some kind of city council job, or uh, not city council, city hall job, something. I don't know what, but he'll be doing something. Uh, because in Chicago, you don't get something for nothing. And in this case, <laughs> uh, Rod, Paul Vallis got an uh, endorsement from Rod Sawyer. Um, all right, let's talk about uh, your sense of the mayor's race. Let's go back to the mayor's race before we uh, close this thing down. Uh, I, I say all the time on the show, uh, Rosanna, I like 
fluctuate as to my who I think is going to win based on who I talked to last. So when I talked to uh, my journalistic friends uh, who were very, they just, they don't believe a lefty can win. I say, oh, Vallis is going to win. Pretty much, I think every journalist in town thinks that Paul Vallis will win. Uh, when I talk to my lefty friends, and they're like, yeah, we got it. We're going to win. Uh, you're definitely one of my lefty friends. So um, give us your sense of where this election's going. You know, um, I was thinking the other day about how crazy we are. And and I think about this a lot. Like, a lo like we don't win a lot. We fight like hell and we don't win a lot in in any struggle that we have ever participated on a lot of time the powerful and the rich are the ones that call the shots and we get you know steamrolled and a lot of times i mean you know sometimes we are able to make a dent sometimes we're able to hurt them a little bit and sometimes we knock them out um if we have learned anything in in chicago politics is that anything is possible. And all of the lefties are going in back. We got a few more um, uh, added to, to, our, to our group. Um, all of us avoided runoffs um, and won outright. And uh, we are very organized. And that's something that we have definitely demonstrated because at the beginning of this race, nobody thought that Brandon was gonna get anywhere. Everybody thought like people were literally saying, should we, should we got this? He got the name. People trust him. This was going to happen. Lori Life was going to win. Everybody thinks that, that she's going to win. <laughs> um, and we got it and we got it in a big part because we are organized. Brandon was the person that had the biggest ground game, the strongest ground game because we've been knocking on doors and organizing ourselves for so long, for so many reasons, just to get basic stuff, you know, like I've been doing this since I was six <laughs> for water. So, yes, we know how to do this. We know how to talk to people. And and the thing about our base is that we are very invested in what's happening. We are not patronage people. We didn't come in here to go knock on doors so that we can get a job in Streets and Sands or anywhere else. People believe, you know, Jamie Andrade told me something once. He started talking about my people as the true believers. He's like, you got true believers over there. Um, they, You don't have to pay them. They just like go crazy for you. They just go knock on doors. You have like an army of like all of those like socialists that are true believers. And I I actually adopted that. And and in my, my, um, my kickoff speech for my campaign, I actually talked about my people as the true believers because we do believe that this is possible and we have to believe that this is possible and that another society is possible in order to do this so when these people knock on doors they are telling these things to people and this stuff is contagious it is like like believing is something that is contagious like you can actually um help people imagine that things can be different. I cannot tell you how many people ended up in my campaign office because they talked to one of my volunteers and they were inspired and they were like, you know what? I want to knock on doors too. I want to go in there. I want to, I want to phone back. I want to do this. And this is how we have been working the Brandon campaign as well, because we have been doing it alongside our own races. Right? So is Brandon going to win? I sure hope so, but we are running to win. 
We are doing everything that we do and that we know how to do to win. We are bringing people in. We're doing this with love. Um, and, and, and we are going to fight until the last minute to get Brandon elected. No, you know, and I, and I was, um, when you were talking there, it, uh, it triggered this memory of a conversation I recently had with former Congressman Luis Gutierrez, who was going to come on the show and then he backed out. Uh, but before he backed out, <clears throat> I don't know, Louie, why'd you back out? <clears throat> anyway, neither here. I'm not a, I'm not a bad guy. Anyway, uh, I can't, it's not the army, Roseanne. I can't make guests come on the show. Uh, but, uh, he was, he supported Chewy, uh, obviously against Brandon and uh, Lori, et cetera, and so forth. He goes to see to use the new machine. Uh, and I, when he said that, I was like, that's like the third or fourth or fifth or sixth or seventh or eighth, ninth time I heard someone say that. Chicago Tribune's always saying that. I'm going, you guys, you don't quite understand it. A school teacher, her or his job is not dependent on Brandon Johnson winning. That's machine politics. Your job is contingent on Dick Mel winning. Mm-hmm. That's old school Chicago. Until Paul Vallis comes into the Chicago public schools and privatizes everything and destroys the Chicago Teachers Union and turns this into a giant check that gets handed out to corporate interests, the Chicago, you know, of, through a voucher. Pro Until that moment happens, and I don't think it'll happen even if he wins, I hope. Teachers' jobs are not contingent on Brandon Johnson winning. They're doing this because they believe it. And that's something that Chicagoans like hardcore uh, Mel Gutierrez, Chicago, polit they don't, you're right. They view the word as a transaction. You don't do anything because you believe it. You do something because you get something from it, like literally get something from it. So the concept that a school teacher whose job is protected to by the union contract to a certain degree, who could just go home and watch Bulls games at night and then go back to work no matter who the mayor is, the concept that that person is not going to endorse for Rosanna Rodriguez or Brandon Johnson because they believe what Brandon Johnson or Rosanna have to say is foreign to them. They haven't done that in their life. Nobody ever, in their worldview, and, and a lot of journalists buy into this, Rosanna, nobody knocks on a door because they believe in Rosanna Rodriguez. They knock on a door because Rosanna's going to get them a job. <laughs> Where? <laughs> <laughs> but they but they know that that is not the case too they, they the thing now is that they're pointing fingers right because how how are you going to explain what's happening right <laughs> so so what they're saying all they know how to do now is like machine politicians are not popular right now they are the remnant of a really corrupt way of doing business in chicago so now when you are called a machine politician it's an insult right so what are they going to call us? What are they going to say about us? So they, so they have to repeat the insult to us and then make it look like this is what we're doing. We are machine. We are corrupt. We're not. And and I and I challenge anybody to try to go on my record and look for any corruption or anything that I have done that is shady, like the kind of stuff that we see machine politicians do and the deals that they caught behind closed doors. We don't do that.
I don't even take contributions from developers or real estate or anything like that. Like I just, I, all my process is community based. I don't want any of that interference in, in our politics because government belongs to people and belongs to community. Um, and that's what we want to keep doing. So the idea that, oh, CTU is the union machine. And you were at the beginning of this, you were talking about the, the question that Marianne asked about Brandon. I, 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 do you disagree on anything with CTU? He was a teacher. He was a teacher. <laughs> You're a worker. You are advocating for your right. And not only that, CTU is the union that actually brought the idea of bargaining for the common good. Why would I disagree with that? And you don't have to disagree to be able to negotiate a contract with a union. Because ultimately what the CTU was asking was completely fair. I am not a teacher. I'm not a unionized teacher. And I could absolutely see how fair it was. They were asking for social workers and nurses for every school and sanctuary protections and protections for, for, for children that were on house. How, how is that? How is that something that I need to disagree? No, okay. So I disagree with the part where they wanted to help homeless homeless kids that part i disagree with that what what is brendan supposed to say it doesn't make any sense and i think that he can be a mayor and negotiate a contract and make sure that we are being financially responsible while providing the resources that 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 are needed the 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 demands that ctu were was making was were not um were not anything that was not basic. Um, and now that a lot of those things are in place, Lori Lapid was taking credit for it. <laughs> oh, look at what we did. We did, look at what we did. We are now putting like social workers in schools. Oh my God, thank you. <laughs> You're so nice. You did not just have teachers out there for 11 days. <laughs> on strike to get that so excuse me yes he was a teacher he, he's been a union activist for a very long time a union organizer and there's no reason why he has to disagree in order to be a, a contract that was a great riff <laughs> rosetta rodriguez she got <laughs> tired of hearing me ranting and raving she said i'm gonna show you what i can do uh that was well done no, I feel uh, in many ways, I feel the same way. I, uh, I hear you. I mean, it's like, what? <laughs> yeah. Well, first of all, my other question is just like, why aren't you for these things? <laughs> you know, Paul Vallis? Uh, this is the greedy teachers, right? Instead of the greedy rich people that are giving him money, you cannot agree with the greedy teachers because those teachers are greedy. <laughs> yes, they're doing it. <laughs> And then they go, no, the, the best, the, they always come back to me. I go, well, they want more nurses and social workers. And they go, well, then that's because it'll be in their union. I go, okay. Uh, so you're against nurses and social workers in the school because they're going to be part of the union. Is that your point? I mean, do you need them or not? You know, do we need social workers and nurses? The city is crazy. Absolutely <laughs> crazy. Uh, but so, we're coming. <laughs> I'm sorry, what'd you say? But we're coming. <laughs> oh, they're now they're scared. Uh, I have no idea who's going to win this mayoral race. I, I really don't. I fluctuate from day to day. But I do know this, that uh, the Kenny G's of the world definitely see 
Brandon Johnson and the Chicago Teachers Union as a significant threat to the way business has been done in the city of Chicago for the last, I don't know, whatever, how long, ever since uh, Harold died. And um, so they're, they're going to fight for their guy, Paul Vallis. Uh, and whether Paul Vallis can get away, I think about this a lot, Rosanna, like the last two years, his courting MAGA, his going out and and uh, with Wake, Illinois, and uh, the Genie Ives show, it just strikes me like this was such a existential moment for so many people in America. We're fighting for like just things like reproductive rights, and these are the forces that were against it. And like, where were you during that fight, Paul Vallis? Yeah, you were with Genie Ives, and now he's saying, "Oh, I." a lifelong Democrat, except for the part when I was a Republican. And I, I Rosanna, I, I just like, wow, Chicago, are they going to vote for this guy? And then I get depressed and <laughs> they start drinking wine. No, and be a true <laughs> Join us. <laughs> Join us. I've never joined any group that would take me as a member. Trust me right there and then. And nobody wants me. I got a big mouth. The Democratic Socialists would kick me out of that group so fast. <laughs> Who let this guy in? God damn it. You I'm know, much yesterday, better. Yesterday we did a, a press conference um uh of queer elected uh, officials um talking about Paul Vallas record on on LGBTQIA issues and it was great. It was really great. Uh Equality Illinois was there as well and we were calling it out like don't come here pretending that you know that that you have been around and that you have been fighting alongside us because you haven't. Yeah. No, Carlos did a riff on the show the other day about Tom Tony that blew my mind. All yeah, Tom Tony. yeah, I heard that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, I just shame on you, Tom Tony. That's about all I got to say. Uh, mm -hmm. Just shame, shame, shame. Because, ladies and gentlemen, Paul Vallis has emboldened those forces. You think this is a joke? Mm -hmm. You don't think there's like savoring the prospect of him getting elected? Darren Bailey's endorsing Paul Vallis. He's like, I told you so. I told you Chicago was a hellhole. I told you that. And uh, the far right is embracing his election. Yeah. And so they see the. And he accepted the endorsement of the GOP. He he's been he's been endorsed by the FOP. Um, and he's and he's good with that. He's good with that. And then he has, you know, the way that he has framed it is, well, I'm going to be a mayor for all Chicago. <laughs> and sorry, but if you if the people who are supporting you, endorsing you are MAGA people, how are you going to show up for us? You cannot be standing in both places. You either decide what are your principles and where you stand and say, I am going to show up for the most marginalized people in this city, and I'm going to protect them, or you're standing with them. There is no middle ground here. I'm sorry. There is no middle ground. If you are good with a, a GOP endorsement at the time that they are attacking every marginalized identity, and particularly the most vulnerable people across the, the US, and you're saying, oh yeah, no, I'm going to work with them. I'm going to work with everybody. I'm sorry. No, that doesn't work for us. All right, that's uh, Alderman Woman Rosanna Rodriguez. And uh, thank you so much, Rosanna, for coming on the show today. Uh, you were on fire. I was too. We're doing it. Folks don't know this. We're doing an early recording today. I don't know what happened. The coffee kicked in. And uh, <laughs> so it's always a blast talking to you, Rosanna. And I'll bring you back real soon. All right. Thank you, Ben.
All right. Take care. That's the great Rosanna Rodriguez. I also want to thank uh, producer Chris for doing an outstanding job, as he always does. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. Peace and love, everybody. Don't forget, you can catch previous Ben Jarofsky shows, download Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com. And find more from the Ben Jarofsky show all over the internet on your favorite streaming and podcasting platforms.